Hello, and welcome to the Dad and Barry podcast. My name is Mike, a.k.a. Dad and Barry. You may know me from Instagram or my blog or you know, the time I was on an Australian radio station. Western Australia was pretty exciting. I'm here with my wife as my normal co-host, Pete, is once again on vacation. Like, I want to make work? fun of him, but actually, I don't know, boy. I was going to say I want to make fun of him, but we're going away um, for one last hurrah before the school year begins. Um, but... Without further ado, my wife, Heather, joining us. She is mom and buried on Instagram and uh, online, other places. Do you want to say hello, honey? Hello, everyone. Glad to be back. You blew it. You should have said hello, honey, right? It would have been like I was going to say hello, darling. It would have been like a a George and uh, Gracie routine. Did I tell you I tried to show, uh, oh, grow up. I tried to show Detective Munch the who's on first routine from Abbott and Costello, and he was more confused than both Abbott and Costello. He did not <laughs> try to tell him what was going on. I'm like, the name of the players are who and what, and I don't know. And he was just like, what is going on? Um, it was just, just an absolute disaster. Um, also a disaster is um, the back-to-school season that is starting in just a couple of weeks for us, although it may be delayed, who knows, here in New York. We did an episode on that a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. And then last week, Pete and I covered Best TV Dads, or in the last episode, we covered Best TV Dads. Bit of a lighter episode, give or take the uh, few moments where we discussed Bill Cosby. Question. Question. Yeah. When are you going to discuss Best TV Moms? Uh, well, that's a mom podcast topic. Um, you know who's not the Best TV Mom? Whatever the name of the mom Julie Bowen plays on Modern Family is. I know. Because I can't stand her. You hate her so much. She's so type A and... Uh, I just can't stand her, but funnily enough, um, Phil Dunphy, so I guess her name is something Dunphy, Carol Dunphy, maybe? Phil Dunphy won as uh, Best Dad. Like Carol. Yeah, I think it is Carol. It's um, your papers are getting in the way Carol, of the camera. But let someone else correct you later. Continue. Your, pa- your papers are getting in the way of the camera, so I would move those. Thank you. You're oh. still new to this. I, I forgive you. I was trying anyway, to... If, no, it doesn't matter. Continue. Mama Barry, Mama Barry tends to join when we do very special episodes of the uh, of the podcast, and this week is no different. We're going to be talking about uh, ADHD, which is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Um, our son, who is a rising fifth grader, I hate that term, as you know. Um, he's almost entering 10. Fifth grade. Just say he's almost 10. He's almost 10. He's entering fifth grade. Um, he does have ADHD. He was diagnosed... Two years ago, I believe, two falls ago. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you like to come on. You're a very serious person. You only like to talk talk about serious things, and and these are the episodes that you like to be on. That's inaccurate. If anyone's actually followed my Instagram, as you should, it's a balance of you know the heartfelt shit you'll never see on that, or you rarely see on Dad and Buried's, um, but more the comedy and the laughs because otherwise. We wouldn't be married because if I couldn't laugh at the ridiculousness of being married to you, there's no chance it would be happening. Please. I'm the funniest person you've ever met. You've said that to me dozens, if not hundreds of times. I've literally never said that, but you say that about yourself a lot. So, (laughs) You know what? I'm a sad (laughs) clown on the inside. Let's be honest. He's caught on the outside a lot of times. Who you try to fool? <laughs> okay, that's true. I don't smile a lot, but that's just because I don't look good when I smile. I do want to let everyone know a lot of times when we film these episodes, whether I'm with you or with Pete, um, but certainly over the past few months, I'm wearing basically one or two t shirts. Today, I'm wearing my, I often wear my red rib shirt that Pete was making fun of on the last episode. Today, I'm wearing my Guns N' Roses shirt. Do people like call it out what you're wearing or just no? Pee? No one actually watches this on YouTube, but I, I, I am self conscious about it. But the only reason I wear the same shirts all the time is because I've gotten so enormously fat during quarantine that they're the only two that fit. Okay, I, I said it, it's out there. I gained a quarantine. I mean, you're I lost to a say, few pounds. no, you didn't, darling. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, you know, the double standard no, is do you just you know what I was gonna say. Was there's no double standard? I mean, I'm keeping it together. What are you talking about? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Earlier today, I asked you, "Does my hair look horrible?" Or I said, "Does my hair look good?" And you said, "No, it looks horrible." If you had said to me, "Does my hair look good?" and I had said, "No, it looks horrible," you would have gotten angry. You would have pouted. You may have cried. I would 
shouldn't have. Because here's the difference. I don't walk around with my hair in a mom bun half out with a scrunchie in it and be like, does my hair look good? Because I know it doesn't and I don't give a shit. You ask it when your hair is fuzzy and ridiculous and throwed out and obviously not. And you have to call me out being like, what's going on with your hair there? Like when it's doing those things. And I don't care because I know it's a fucking hot mess. That's cool. If I had put great effort into my look and then you say I look like shit, yes, then I'll be offended. But the point, but the thing is, is you never put great effort into your look. So this is not the problem. First of all, the term is ridiculous, not ridiculous. And I, I'm offended by the pronunciation of that. Second I of all, just, I was just searing with ridic- ridiculousness. Second of all, it does not take me a lot of effort to look good. I'm naturally beautiful. Third of all, yes, you do in the morning, you get up, you do your routine, you spend most of the day in a ball gown or your old wedding dress like Mrs. Ms. Havisham from Great Expectations. It's really kind of never happens. I put on clothes for this podcast. You're welcome, people. You're welcome. I'm welcome. What? Huh? <laughs> exactly. Funniest guy you've ever met. All right. Oh, God, continue. Yeah, is this obviously, the intro? Yes, this is the intro. We're trying to keep it light. <laughs> well, wow, like- you must be new here. I'm always, I'm all over the place on these things. This is part of my charm. We're going to get into uh, into less of my charm and a more serious topic this week when we get into ADHD. We got a lot of uh, heartfelt comments from people I posted. I reposted an old ADHD post about my failings as a parent being able to manage it, and I got a lot of good comments comments on that. I posted that the other day. Um, But we're going to talk about our experience with our son, um, the rocky road it's been, and I'm sure will continue to be. Didn't get a lot of tips. We mostly got a lot of people commiserating. Um, But we'll talk about that when we come back right after this. All right, we're back to the Dad and Barry podcast this week. We're going to be talking about ADHD, our experience uh, parenting a child with ADHD. He is 10 years old, or he will be in a couple of weeks, entering yeah. fifth grade. Entering fifth grade is a rising fifth grader. Um, by the way, I think a lot of people will be surprised by that because he is considered young for his grade because of New York laws. So, like, a lot of kids... Which I think also registers because with ADHD and stuff already kind of makes you on the less mature side. So it's, I well, think, something that's because the year starts in January. So he's near the tail end. He's in the last third of it. But I was a September baby and Connecticut was the same. So I was often, I mean, there were people younger than me. Like I went to school, a good friend of mine, um, he was born in December um, and was in my grade, right? So he was, was even younger than me. Um, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I that's guess it certainly... seems like a lot. I know even just like Jersey now and most places I know, my friends have kids the same age-ish that are like a year below because it'll cut off at the beginning of the school year and ours does not. Well, red shirting is a controversial topic um, over, yeah. the, over the past few years. We can talk about that on another episode. We opted yep. not to red shirt. I don't think you can even do and it anymore. No, it's I, actually I, illegal in New York. Yeah. Like, if you choose, this is crazy, but if you choose not to do it, like you just skip kindergarten and have to enter first grade. Yeah. Well, okay. Stay on topic here. Mm, continue, please. please. Do you have ADHD? Because you are all over the place. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did say that they had ADHD or their husband did, and that, that's how their son or their daughter got it. Somebody asked me which one of us passed it down to them. Um, I was never diagnosed. I know that you and your friends like to talk and, you know, behind closed doors about how I have ADHD. I don't think that's true. We have some, I mean, if we want to talk about anxiety disorder that he has, you know, million percent. Oh, we're getting into that. But um, ADHD, 95% you because you're undiagnosed, but there's some things happening, man. You know what? If I have ADHD, then the future is bright for our son because look how far I've come. I've got my own podcast. I've got a social media empire. He can do whatever 
he wants. Before we get into the episode, um, I do want to remind everybody that you can listen to the Dad and Buried podcast, whether I'm with my wife, Mama Buried, or with my normal co-host, my more regular Pete. co-host, um, Pete. What's his name again? Pete Eminem oh, on yes. uh, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can leave a you can subscribe in those places. You can leave us a, a rating and a review on Apple. We would love that. Um, and you can engage with us on YouTube if you want to see one of the, the few shirts that I wear on this program and leave comments on particular episodes. And if you want, you can throw us some uh, financial support on Patreon or on Anchor. I'm going to quickly run through the names of the people that have done that. Ryan Miller and MS Babayan do so on Anchor. Anchor, check your kids at the door. Chris Coleman, Emsa Daniel, 1980, Mallory McKenzie, Tina Davis, a woman named Miriam, Rob Gilberry, brand new Patreon, Lindsay Woodruff, Andrea Sandoval, Barbara Geiger, Bill D'Amica, Dana Bosday, Jacques Ovar, Morning Glow, Cotton Farmer AZ, West Clark, Jennifer Wynn, Julie McCarthy, Paul Apolsky, Mary Williams, and Julie Burton all contribute on, on Patreon. Thank you very much, everybody. Hope you keep doing so. No hard feelings if you don't. I don't know why mom, mom and Barry, I don't see your name on this list. You don't contribute to the podcast? I contribute to your entire life and really enhance it by a billion percent. Continue. Have you rated the podcast five stars on Apple? I have. I have. Oh, and I've oh. asked most of the people I know to do the same because it's important to rate and leave comments because that actually helps out podcasts. It sure um, does. So you guys should it go sure do does. that. If you like I it. I agree. I was hoping that the Dad and Barry podcast would be nominated at the Mom 2.0 Summit Iris Awards for Best Podcast of the Year. It was not, although my blog was nominated for the third year in a row for Best Blog, even though I think I've written two blog posts all year. You know, it's name recognition. People come to expect a certain level of excellence um, from all of my content, um, and I appreciate that. You know, I work hard on it, and I'm, you know, I'm gifted at a lot of the things that I do, certainly in my choice of wives. Oh, that's so sweet. Isn't I was even going to say something nice before you said that. I don't um, believe you for a second. Just that I think you are a very good writer. Your account's very funny and original. You're worth oh. following. I mean, I assume these people are, but, you know, you're not so bad. I'm okay. I'm okay. So we do want to, we are going to be talking about um, ADHD today, which is, it's funny. So before we get into um, our journey with our son, um, I did want to say that back in the day, when I was growing up in the 80s, um, I knew, I, I, I even remember the kid's name, went to my elementary school. Um, his name was Howie. He was on Ritalin. People knew. He was hyper. He could be out of control. Um, but there was very much a stigma associated with it. I remember growing up thinking, you know, I was an uninformed kid. Even in high school, I remember thinking ADHD and ADD didn't seem like real things. They seemed like potentially rationalizations of parents who weren't disciplining enough or whatever. Just nonsense thoughts that I had as a kid. Nowadays, sort of like autism, which is a, a different thing, but we did hear from some some parents with kids on the autism spectrum. It's everywhere, right? Like, it's rare that you don't know a couple of parents or a couple of kids who have some ADD or ADHD or somebody on the spectrum. Um, and it's just, it's just a lot more commonplace these days. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, um, a million percent, I feel like, Half the little boys I know are, or maybe not half, but also we go to a school that has a lot of kids with IEPs. It's like an ICT school. They have IEPs and they're general ed kids. And so, you know, half his friends are, and they're awesome and amazing. I actually real quick, have a real quick. for you. Yeah. An IEP is individualized education plan. Program? Plan. Plan, right. I think. Yes. Um, and so. Stop turning away from the mic. Our school is awesome because it's one of the few in New York that are like that. And I feel like it's so great to speak to your, like, the stigma back in the day. You know, there's, like, 18 general ed kids and seven kids, not all ADHD, but, you know, actually autistic or um, Down syndrome, like, a lot of things that also go to our school, dis physical disabilities. And so the kids get to actually see a lot of kids who aren't like them and well, understand them a little bit better. They're all integrated. They're all integrated with the general ed kids, right? Which, and they all right. have paras, and there's a lot more kind of teachers and paras yeah. in the room and stuff. That's, the whole school is kind of about the integration, which is great. It, hopefully it teaches compassion and empathy, and it, the kids aren't excluded or anything like that. Um, well, and it gives the kids there. What, oh, what's your okay. question? 
Well, just as we're talking about this and, you know, you say, see, when I, where I grew up, first of all, was the country. And frankly, you know, I don't think there was a strong emphasis, certainly on mental health. Um, So I didn't know any kids with ADHD. It wasn't a thing. So it wasn't a stigma, right? So do you think that as wonderful as your parents are and stuff, that some of the stigma came from adult reactions around you? I'm sure it did. I don't know that it it was my parents. I don't know. Maybe it was like my parents aren't the kind of people who are casting stones and like judging kids. They're they're not like that. Um, but I'm sure that there were kids who were whose viewpoints were influenced by their parents. I don't really remember where I got. I just knew we just. I think it was. It wasn't necessarily about ADHD or ADD or anything like that. Which I think back back then it was mostly just called ADD. Um, the hyperactivity part wasn't necessarily in the name, although I don't remember for sure. Um, but it was just Ritalin, right? Knowing someone was on Ritalin, right? So mm. there was a stigma with someone being on medication more than there was a stigma around whatever the, you know, the right. diagnosis the was or wasn't, was. right? So okay. we just knew, and I don't know how we knew that this kid Howie was on uh, was on medication, and I think that was the thing. And I think nowadays, culturally, being on medication, while there's certainly you know, certainly still problems with society's, um, you know, receptivity towards mental illness and, and, you know, whether it's men, whether depression or postpartum depression or men having symptoms of that or any kind of thing, there's a stigma associated with men having kind of mental illness. It's seen like a weakness. This stuff is starting to go away. But back then in the eighties, um, it was certainly very prevalent. And when you knew a kid who was on something, um, you just knew. You know, whether right. regardless of how you felt about it, we just knew. Like the fact that I can remember the kid's name and I remember that he was on Ritalin, I don't know how I knew that. It's not like I saw his prescription. Maybe he told me. I went to his birthday party once. We saw Funny Farm. Not, not a good movie to see with a bunch of like fifth graders, right? Funny Farm. It's not a laugh out loud riot. It's a Chevy Chase goes to the country to write a book and gets married I as a rivalry. <laughs> I'm not saying it's I don't a know bad that movie. I I'm saying as a, yeah, as like a fourth or fifth grader, it's not exactly, you know, explorers with River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke, right? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I think probably one thing that does, you know, continue is, for instance, so I remember the kid who picked his nose and brought meatballs as, like, a covered dish for a school party. Those oh, I thought you meant the movie meatballs. No, no, actual meatballs. Um, you know, when kids are bringing cupcakes and chips and he's like, meatballs. You know, like, I remember that, but think about that right like we still remember it and hopefully that's not happening to our kids but i think parents worry about that stuff right is my kid standing out like a sore thumb will he always be you know the kid with x or y or z i mean because parents and moms especially from my experience put so much guilt on themselves already and then there's this whole new level of it um whenever you put on any other layer well that the 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 instagram post that I referenced the other that I posted reposted the other day about you know my struggles parenting our son and and knowing that I'm failing in a lot of ways a lot of that was about the guilt that I feel because I know I'm doing the things wrong and I'm not necessarily good at telling the difference between you know when to discipline him or when to use compassion because it's something he can't control and my failings in that area so guilt is is a big part of it um which is you know and I'm sure there was even some some guilt and, and initial resistance from me at the start, being like, no, my kid couldn't have... I mean, I don't remember feeling this way, but I'm sure subconsciously, just knowing the way I grew up with this kid that I remember, like, you don't want your kid to necessarily have that stigma, right? So why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, the journey we went on with Detective Munch and, and how we got to where we are today and how we how he got diagnosed and et cetera. Yeah, um, just a quick recap to tell you guys you know, our experience, because I know that a lot of people actually DM me and stuff about this. Like, how did you know? What were the signs? When did it happen? What age? Um, For us, it was first grade when we started being like, wow, the other kids seem to be maturing a little bit faster than him. And it was very much, well, he's younger and first grade is a transitional year. Who knows? Um, And then second grade, I think we really started discussing it and exploring well, we were, it, starting to be convinced a little bit, I think, in our own heads that something was happening. We were sort of waiting because at least one of his first teachers was sort of like, you know, the kids tend to outgrow this kind of thing. So we sort of waited yes. 
for him to potentially outgrow it. And it's funny because it wasn't necessarily that we noticed, you know, him losing focus and that kind of thing. It was more like the ancillary issues with ADHD that present like anxiety and emotional regulation that we noticed more than the focus and the hyperactivity issues. Right. A million percent. I mean, I think the main things we noticed that we still struggle with, honestly, and it sounds like a lot of you guys do too, is emotional regulation, definitely, where like kids were starting to adapt to just being at school and he was still sad and he would cry if something went wrong and he would tantrum if something went wrong. His reactions were disproportionate to what had happened in a lot of cases, Right. right? Like much bigger than the situation would seem to have warranted. And in pre-K and K, and even a little bit in first, because he was, I guess, six that entire year, basically, um, it's easy to be like, oh, well, he's so young. But then you start seeing, you know, it not happening to other kids in the class because you're seeing well, all you these other friends. You can't help but compare. And, and comparing your kid, especially when they're really young, because... Because in a lot of cases, you know, if your kid's not hitting the same milestone as another kid when they're four and five, that stuff tends to shrink and level out as they get older and older. And in the comparison, as they say, is, is the thief of joy. It's a very dangerous mindset to be in with young kids as parents. Um, but you can't help but do it. And we certainly did notice. And it was one of the reasons we were kind of like some of the stuff we're kind of like, it doesn't it doesn't seem like he's outgrowing it at the same rate and we wanted to look into it more just in case right yes and so then we started kind of on this journey um where we were on our own trying to get into the study in new york because a lot of times getting an adhd diagnosis is expensive it's hard to get yeah um you know as is so many mental health unfortunately so many mental health things are hard to get under insurance and stuff. So luckily we're in New York City and there's this great study under the Child Mind Institute, but it's also very hard to get into because it's high demand. So they're doing it for a study, but also it was a great experience, but it took almost a year. At a whole least. bunch of sessions. We have to bring yeah. him there. He's getting tested like, and just like. And like tested whole, like whole in combination. a cool way. He thought it was cool. It wasn't like you know, the kids like under some sort of like brain analyzation thing all the time. Yeah. Do like quizzes and just talk to him. And he actually, he had a great rapport with them and it was a good experience. Um, So it took some time. And then we were into third grade at that point. And when we started saying this to the teachers and we had amazing third grade teachers, including a teacher who um, had an ADHD son you know, when we started being like, oh, we think he might. And they were like, we're already treating him like ADHD presenting. Yeah. So what can we what can we do? Let's talk about things. Um, so he was but we he, he went through the study. He ultimately was diagnosed with it. Um, but ADHD again, like our and, with ADHD, and anxiety and anxiety and our bigger concern and even his amazing teacher that he had in third grade his sort of bigger concern was the anxiety and how that might hold him back socially as he got older um and that's one of the things that we really wanted to try to nip in the bud um and sort of our biggest concern the anxiety and the emotional regulation it's it wasn't it almost wasn't until after the diagnosis that kind of the focus stuff started to get a little bit more on our radar it didn't really impact his his academic performance but his behavior in school could occasionally be problematic in terms of being easily distracted and not necessarily listening to the teachers all the time well yeah i mean he was doing great in school so that kind of masks it right a lot of times this is discovered because they're having problems in school whereas yes we saw it after but we saw things at home for instance like just you know the way he constantly fidgets or has to get up at the table like he was constantly getting in trouble for that but that's just how his body works like he has to move something has to happen or like he would quickly move on to the next thing or whatever it was like that was happening the actual like bouncing off the walls thing like he's he loves reading a book and he'll sit there for hours, right? Like if he's focused and excited about something. And so we didn't know necessarily that that's a huge ADHD thing too. Like for the better, like someone responds and we'll get into it in a second um, about the superpowers of ADHD because it is like the focus and the passion. And there's, there's so many amazing things um, too. Yeah. And 
it, we didn't realize that. Well, you like know. anybody, they, you know, if you're more interested in something, you're more likely to learn it and to pay attention to it and be focused on it. And we were re- really trying to find different things for him to be interested in, right? We tried, oh, you know, School of Rock. We did karate, all this stuff. We did karate, um, we did baseball, we did soccer, where he wouldn't even yeah. step on the field because it well, was like did. too much chaos. Yeah. And yeah, well, he stepped on the field and he cried and he threw a tantrum. And then we did that a few times. And then we were like, and I cried and threw a tantrum. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. you cried and threw a tantrum. It was a bad scene. And eventually we're like, the money's not worth it. We got to get out of here. Because I think partially for him, the anxiety part, there was like baseball, he kind of stuck out for years and he enjoyed it enough till his friends weren't really involved. Yeah. And he did enjoy it. But then the, the chaos of soccer and, like, the anxiety, it was, like, a bad. But we didn't know. Like, what do we know? Well, the anxiety snowballs, right? Once it starts, it's hard to get a handle on it. And, and like, once it starts in a particular situation, it's not easy to get control of it. And with soccer, it happened immediately. So it's funny. So some of these comments, as we went through them before we came online, you know, we, we often remark when we hear from people or we read anecdotal stories, like, we're like, this could be. Detective Munch, right? It's so yeah. similar, right? So Roseanne 2681 says her son just turned 10 and was diagnosed after second grade with ADHD and social anxiety. She's like, I have so many questions. She's a special ed teacher and ADHD is still a mystery to her because it's so different for every kid. They tried medication and it backfired. She said, I think it works for some, but it wasn't for my son. He was also diagnosed with social anxiety disorder, which just adds another complicated layer. He was in normal school he was in ict class and received ot and counseling we have that too but it's incorporated into our school right well yeah well yeah the same it sounds like he was same in ICT sounds like class yeah and ot and counseling literally our scenario and then she starts to get into something that has certainly been an exacerbation or an exacerbating factor this year she said he actually loved home homeschooling even though he gives me a hard time and needs constant redirecting i think because in school he's anxious all day i always felt like he would hold in all his feelings all day and then come home and unleash which i think happens with a lot of kids not just adhd kids but we saw that too where he would come home and he would just be out of control just emotionally and his energy would be nuts and he would just not be having a great time and we would find out from his teachers that wasn't happening there and it was because he's trying so hard to hold it in and be good and pay attention at school that when he gets home, he's just spent. Right. And we didn't understand that. I think at the time, um, and now like he can even, he eventually said that to me, like, cause sometimes we're good at having those sort of heart to hearts without me having said it. Like, he's like, I don't know. I'm like, why can you do it at school and not here? You know, like, and he's just like, it's just because I have to work real hard at it. And then it's just like I erupt. And so to, even to hear him say that, I think as he gets older, even though it's not necessarily easier in some way, it's harder. At least he can express it and like talk yeah. about it a little bit more. He's more, you know, self-aware for better or worse. Roseanne also said that her son, um, he had to have a seat change when he was in school um, to help him focus, which we've seen that. But a lot of that was depending on who he was sitting next to and how yeah. well they got along and she said he needs a lot of repetition and has little confidence which is something that concerns us sometimes too right the self-esteem that comes with these kids right so you mentioned the superpowers thing which is something that we mentioned early right because we had read or somebody had told us that um you know you don't want the kid to feel insecure or stigmatized by adhd or autism or whatever so you try to say you know your brain is just wired differently you know Mm -hmm. it gives you super focus on the stuff that you're passionate about which is sort of like a superpower you know you try to make them feel okay with it because in Mm -hmm. reality that's the truth right you're just different there's nothing wrong with it the challenge is that you need to be you know disciplined and taught a little bit differently and parents need to learn different techniques right how to do it and that is one of our big challenges is like I mentioned earlier, finding the line between what's an ADHD symptom slash reaction and what is just a normal kid thing. And my tendency, as you know, is sometimes to, all right, if, if he's not, not behaving well, you know, discipline, discipline, you know, and I tend to yell a little bit too much. And when you yell at a kid with ADHD, they shut down, they're not processing mm-hmm. it. Um, and you need to give them space and let them settle down and, and kind of respond and react to them in different ways. And it's a tough to learn for somebody like me in particular um and it's really it's really challenging there's a whole bundle of issues that go with it well i have to say i think um i know i've exchanged dms with 
Roseanne before. Um, and in so many ways, this is Detective Munch, like a wonderful, like, you know, just complex, just the meltdowns, little confidence. I mean, and we're seeing a little confidence more recently. It wasn't really there. And I feel like more recently, it's kind of heartbreaking. And I wrote a post about it last week about how, you know, he's just so hard on himself, you know, just yeah. and it's it's just heartbreaking. And I think he's even harder on himself because I think he's depressed or at least very sad with everything going on with quarantine. And so it's even more difficult. And I know we'll get into the quarantine part. And so, like, all of a sudden, like, all the, I'm like, wait a minute, we try to build you up and the confidence is lacking. And, you know, yeah, it's just difficult because the, the meltdowns, the self-esteem. I know with Munch, you know, he'll have these meltdowns, these epic meltdowns, and we'll often lose our cool and things go horribly awry. And then with him, and I've heard not all ADHD parents see this, the guilt he feels afterwards oh, yeah. is so intense. And that's, he's like, I'm the worst, you know, and like, I can't do anything right. And we try to reiterate all the time that that's not the case and try to call out his things. But, you know, it's just hard. He's so hard on himself. And that's heartbreaking, I think, as a parent. So you mentioned the quarantine and COVID, which is certainly, I think, a contributing factor when it comes to just everybody's nerves being on edge and, and you know, potentially being depressed or just feeling bad and not interacting with your friends and not being outside and doing a lot of the social stuff you'd otherwise do. TJ Cunahan says, you know, I have a, he's like me, he said he has a low patience level and that having a kid with ADHD is very challenging, especially when you're all cramped together in a small space, right? Like right. being around anybody all the time with no escape um, yeah, is challenging. Seriously, said, I mean, I could say this about you. It's like a lot right you. now. <laughs> sweetheart. And he said screen time makes it worse, so it's lose-lose because – Especially during quarantine, you know, you tend to lean on screen time a little bit more, especially oh, yeah. over the summer when there's no homeschooling structure, regardless of how structured exactly. it may or may not have been when you were doing remote schooling in the spring or how structured it will or will not be sure. this fall. So you lean on screen time. And in a lot of ways, the screen time can make it worse, right? Like too much screen time. 100%. Just you can see the change that it has on on both of our kids, and, and the youngest has not been diagnosed with anything at this point. Well, we've definitely we heard from one of his best teachers, who obviously deals with kids like this all the time, being like, you know, and we, you know, like maybe limit the screen time and da da da. And he actually had the son with ADHD and was saying this, and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So when you coming over? Because like, and this was before all of this, because I'm like. Who who can nonstop do that? I mean, I know it, and we do to our credit. Like, you know, you're working all the time, but like, yeah. I try to take them outside. In New York City, that's not always easy. Like, we'll go on an and, adventure, but you're avoiding. And we have people. a younger kid, and we have yeah. a younger kid you're caring for, and the gap is so is big enough that they're not always interested in the same thing. So, yes. you know, screen time is 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 certainly a crutch, and it's you know, can certainly cause problems, but let's be honest no way around. right now. So we could record this episode. Where do you think they are? They're because screening they it up. Out. Screening <laughs> it up. We um, saved all day and hung it over their head. So we were talking about the confidence and self-esteem portion. And monsters believe in me said that that's her biggest challenge is handling the self-esteem or his criticism is taken so harshly, like a personal attack and ADHD yeah. kids hear more negative comments than others. It's just really hard to to instill that self-confidence because you do tend to, especially me, it's one of the challenges I have is you tend to forget that they can't help some of this stuff and you come down on them and you're like, oh, why are you doing this? You need to fix this, you fix that. And and they hear it a lot and they take it harder than a lot of other kids. Um, well, and then when they have kind of their emotional outbursts, sometimes it's really hard for parents to understand why they would freak out so much over something seemingly so minor right. or whatever. And you need to step back and be like, I got to remind myself sometimes like this is his ADHD. And a lot of times it's you reminding me afterwards when I don't necessarily yeah. want to hear it because I'm angry. Right. You know, it takes me a few minutes to calm down myself. Right. And because, and because you know, and I mean, that's something we're working on. I think 
a lot of couples probably are. I mean, if you are a couple who is completely on the same page about parenting a kid with ADHD or parenting any kid, I mean, yeah, kudos to you. You can More tell us your tips, but they're probably not going to work. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean granted I'm like more the read the stuff try to go by the book like and I'm the one who was always at school and talking to the teachers and so I think like I was a little bit more of an advocate and understander of this and also we just have different reactions to things um you know and I would rather talk it out and you never want to talk out anything so you know it's a little different um <laughs> I'll type it being- out that being said, unfortunately, with quarantine, I'm meeting you in the middle, at least, because even if you're the most patient, which I'm not, um, by the 20th time of the day, you're losing it. I'm losing it. Like, and now I feel guilt about, you know, how I'm parenting. And I know you do. And so when I tell you, it doesn't help. But then the parent who's telling often feels like, well, we should talk about this. And we don't want this to happen again. And I don't like you yelling. And then I get upset and like, you know, you and I deal with that a million percent. And well, on top of it, you know, I know one of my biggest things, and as you know, I've said this to you, um, textbook ADHD is something they say is that basically, you know, criticism, basically kids hear negative comments. Like, I think they say something like 10 times more, like, and that's what they retain, at least 10 times more. Like, you have to tell them. 10 good things for every bad thing, which is hard because you're not even trying to be bad. You're what we've talked about a lot, at least much is like, it's the behavior. It's not you. It's the behavior, you know, and actually someone DM me completely separate. And I don't think they weighed in here and said, you know, a good way to think about it is like the, they're your thoughts. They're not you. Right. Like, it's just like, you know, it's your mind um, or even like when you're not being yourself, the best self or totally freaking out on your parents or whatever. It's kind of that bully in your brain, right? Like it's Hate not the sin, love the sinner, right? Sure. Are you talking sure. about you now or what? <laughs> how, how dare you? I have no sins. So oh, it's funny because we were talking about Lindsay, L-I-N-N-Z-I dot M says that one of her challenges is struggling with controlling her reaction to his reactions, which is certainly one of my challenges and certainly bubbles up a lot more when we're all in confined in a confined space. And Gordon underscore tribe one says, I struggle with uh, finding punishments for his daughter to understand. Right. So this is something we deal with where I want to reason with him. You know, once I've calmed down, once he's calmed down, we try to have like heart to heart or we reason with them or we're lecturing him a little bit. And you can see as you're lecturing him and you think you're getting through to him, then all of a sudden his eyes glaze over or he's thinking about something else. You can't go on too long, right? You need to keep it succinct, short and to the point. Um, But usually, you know, I'm airing my grievances, right? And trying to penetrate his soul with my insight and connect at an emotional level. And at right. some point, he's checking out. You know, he can't help it. He can't just, for that long. Right. He's, like, off dreaming about, like, Zelda or whatever. He's a, Or he said the other day, he's like, it's like my mind skips for a couple yeah. seconds, and then I come back. And then he's like, "Did I? what did I miss? And, like, trying, you know, like, when you lose your pay, place in a book, like, what did I miss? Da, da, da. And it's, that's totally not his fault. But, of course, when you're calm... You get that when you're angry yeah, and it's no. the 50th time that day and the toddler's screaming and you're just over it. It's totally different. And I would say, too, the punishments thing, um, and no means calling this person out because we've done it. I mean, I mean, taking electronics or other things happens all the time. But we've been told for years, and sometimes we're great at it and sometimes we suck at it that it you know it's not punishment it's rewards like and we know we see it's incentives and stuff and like even this amazing teacher we keep referencing and some of the other sense then like he glows when you You commend him him. and praise him and he's so proud of every achievement even if it's in a video game and you don't give a shit he's so proud and he just lives for that you know and i i think sometimes it's 
hard to remember that. Um, not like, I mean, obviously we do that for the big things, but like, you know, even just, we've tried the star charts, we've tried all that shit and yep. some of it has worked and, you know, a lot of times it doesn't, or you fall off because life is hard enough and like, who the fuck has time for that? Well, well one of the things we do, we have seen that works, but which is not always easy to adhere to, certainly during the past six months or so, and we'll see how the next, you know, three to six months to a year to the rest of our lives with COVID and the pandemic goes is Fantastic. having having structure. Um, and, you know, you've created like chalkboards or lists, like this is when we're doing this in the day and this is what we do next. And once you do this, you can do that and that kind of thing. Um, and it's just very stressful to do it, right? Like, yeah. like to, to adhere to that when you're tired, you know, especially you, you have, you have multiple sclerosis, right? So you're not always up out of bed in the morning. Right. And since I don't have to take him to the bus and I don't have to be on the subway mm -hmm. to get to work, I sleep in a little bit longer too, right? So it's not super easy to stick to this stuff. You know, we're at home right? and you right. know, I don't shower until late in the afternoon, right? I don't have, I'm doing all my work, but it's, it's not regimented the way that your normal life would be if we weren't quarantined if it weren't a pandemic and that kind of thing um and if you weren't being remote school that school there's a whole system built around with all this structure and stuff and recreating right. that at home is is a lot more difficult especially with all the distractions that we have i will say that like um it was definitely easier when school was in and he was honestly he impressed me with how well he did and how much he tried to really do the classwork and was on task and i mean I thought he'd be all over the place and he really wasn't. Once he got into the groove, he's like, okay, this is the schedule and we'd work through it. And I was incredibly proud of him and told him a million times, um, you know, but then of course when it's summer or you don't have that or it's just an off day, you don't. And the first half of the summer, I was going insane as you know, because when we've been spending a lot of the summer kind of escaping the city and trying to be places, you know, to have fun and like have a little bit more space or whatever, um, whether it's grandma's pool or the Cape or a cabin or whatever it was. Um, and when we're here sometimes, because you know me, I'm kind of a scheduler and let's do things and da da da. Sometimes my MS gets in the way or with him, he just wouldn't want to leave the house. And then yeah. we'd be fighting because I'm trying to get him to do these things. And it would just be this, like for weeks, this tug of war and I'd everyone be angry. I'm like, leave the house. We have to do things. And now I've put like this simple schedule on the fridge about like, it okay. Yeah. It's like, this is when we have lunch. This is when we go on our adventure. You know, don't even ask me about a screen until five o'clock. And just knowing that like, it's so much better, but it's sometimes hard to even keep yourself to that. So Ciara underscore. Della says our challenge is that he loves video games and getting him to do anything else is a struggle. Definitely yep. something that we've seen. And um, nurse underscore gelato says burning off energy with sports when, when sports pools and parks are closed. Right. So like these two things where they don't have the same outlets they might have, whether it's mm -hmm. recess at school or whether it's us being able to take them to the playground or the stuff that we would normally do in the summertime. We're just at home a lot more and we have a little yard outside, but it's nowhere near as appealing as his video games are. Right. So finding that balance between, you know, not as much screen time and getting them to burn off energy when they re really want to play the video games. And it's just something about those video games with kids in general, but also with ADHD kids. I think it's just oh, like yeah. it's addictive. It's like They're that, so zoned in. And there's that the endorphin rush the instant reward yeah. and you know he'll even say this with like those to be continued type shows or whatever it is can't help. Like, yeah but i just got you know this special helmet and so yeah. now i have to do it and he'll be like devastated because he can't and i'm like this is all a trick they just want yeah. you to keep getting the things and doing the things I'm like, so remember earlier so i write for the dad sometimes and i came across i wrote a, an article about um, the first oh, video yeah. game that can be prescribed for kids with ADHD. I don't remember what it's called, um, but you do need to get a prescription to use it. 
Um, and I don't know that it's it's not going to be the exact kind of video game that he likes. But there is a video game out there that has been approved crazy is that? medically um, to help kids with their focus and that kind of stuff. And I'm You'll sure definitely... it's based on that kind of instant reward and, and the gratification that you get from playing these games. What were you I saying? I have to like link that um, and tell people what that what that was. I don't think it was out yet, but um, when it no, does come yeah, out. it was. But it's it's an iPhone game that you get on your, your you know an Apple game or an Android game that you get on your mm-hmm. phone or tablet. Um, so another interesting wrinkle is Charblin C H A R B L Y N says she's nervous about the struggle that's going to come when school starts again because of the setback from not having structure for the past six months or so. Right, so like. You know, it's going to be an adjustment to get back into having to sit in place and, 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 you know, never mind what school is like for people who are going back to school right now and having to do the social distancing thing and you mm-hmm. have to sit at your desk and stuff all day. I don't think our son would be able to handle that. Kid with ADHD where you're not able to interact or mess around or do any of that stuff. You're just strapped to a chair all day. Really, it's not easy under the best circumstances. not easy when you don't have... ADHD or anything like that. I can't imagine how hard it will be after six months of little or no structure going back into that and it having no resemblance to what school used to be. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago about going back to school and making the big should we or shouldn't we, you know, because here in New York, you do have the choice remote or part-time hybrid. And um, we were really, despite me being high risk and everything, leaning towards sending him because he was so desperate to see his friends and the structure and all of that. Whereas I think we're, you know, yes, we have the risks that we're worried about, but, you know, more so one of the things that are leaning us more towards remote is like, we kind of described it to him and we knew before we described it to him that, you know, like it's six feet apart. You have to keep your distance. You have to wear a mask all day. You have to stay in the same room. There's, probably not going to really be recess like the way you know it and like just we knew it before but he was like devastated he cried about all of that um and he was like i want to go i want to do remote i don't you know he was willing to forego his friends and because i think he realized like this isn't normal and also gave him anxiety and it just for him i i can't I, I can't imagine like he first of all would hate the mask all day not moving his body you know they have like movement breaks and stuff yeah. like it's just anyway a nightmare I, scenario for you know for all kids <laughs> and teachers and parents we've said this many times there's no good solution to the back to school dilemma um you got to do what kind of works best for you you got to weigh the risk of you know the the covid risk and and you know, the, the no social interaction risk, which obviously also isn't healthy for kids. It's just it's not an easy situation. No. We still don't know for sure what New York is going to look like. There's still a lot of controversy about when we're going to start, how we're going to start. Teachers may strike over it. Um, it's a big mess. Um, when I brought up this topic, I asked people for their challenges and for any tips. Um, there weren't a lot of tips. I think most people just <laughs> wanted to kind of share and commiserate. Somebody said that um, getting the kid to sit still during like Zoom sessions for school was hard. This was E. Barrett Ball said this. They use yoga balls as chairs just so yes. they can bounce. I love this. This is a million yeah, percent happening. Which, we because for this ICT school, they do have these little balls they can sit on or they're allowed to have fidgets or things to play with, which, you know, not to like go back to this, but sometimes, um, you know, like I think everyone identifies we have an advantage, first of all, because our school does have so many kids and they're kind of, you know what I mean? They're immediately like, they just have the resources, like here's a little mini yeah, yoke ball you can system. put on your, you know what I mean? There's stuff like they know and they'll take them out yeah. in the hallway and they do like jumping jacks and yoga things. But, um, you know, for instance, Somebody, like, someone suggested, someone suggested jumping jacks too. Look, for their yeah, there you go. It does. It gets energy out, you know? And so they have those things. What I was actually going to say though, is for instance, you know, sometimes one of the things that you and I like don't agree on is I think you just instinctually do things that maybe even were put into your head by your upbringing, your dad or whatever, like we'll be at dinner and you'll be like, stop jumping around, stop moving. Can't you put that down? Like stop. And to me, you know, as I say, just pick your battles. Like this is the last battle I want to pick because we're going to pick a hundred today because it's hard, you know, and I feel like sometimes 
not that I'm like all great shakes, by the way, in case this sounds like otherwise. But, you know, I feel like more just great shakes stand- than me. It depends on the day. I mean, usually, but it depends on the day. <laughs> um, so that is yeah. true, though. It does, it does make me anxious at a restaurant or whatever, where you're just like, can you just for this hour, can we just focus up a little bit? Which is an ironic thing to say to, to a kid who's got focusing issues. Um, but we all know I'm a garbage parent and I'm working on it. All right. Knowing is half the battle, as I said in my ADHD post. Well, actually, I was going to segue into that, that, you know, people have, do you know I mean, like they're scared or whether like, or it was a relief because it was like, oh, well, now it's just like, oh, it's not him. And there is a yeah, relief yeah, now, yeah. you know. Well, and- my first my first ADHD blog post when he first got diagnosed a year a couple of years ago I wrote that where I said my son has ADHD and it's a relief because now you have a name for it and you know there are tools for it um not that we've necessarily mastered them all um you know Please. and and one of which for a lot of people is medication alpha gen mama says that her son was diagnosed last year and and she said full disclosure I'm a med mom I think she says it that way because there still is the stigma um you know, with, you know, medicating kids and, and over-medicating people. There are people in, in, in our extended families that don't necessarily believe in, you know, medicating for some of these disorders. They don't even necessarily believe in the existence of some of these disorders. She says, my husband is ADD and he does better on medicine, which I'm sure helped, you know, her understand and both yeah. of them understand the risk and reward. She says, even though I felt like an absolute trash can for doing it, my son likes it and feels better with medication. And that works for us. Some days it's really hard getting him dressed up and dressed to get out the door is a big challenge and that before meds it was a big challenge said if he's not into it it's not getting done she says the tablet is kind of my saving grace he's very much into games as is my husband so they bond over this i don't really bond over the video games he doesn't like to play madden so something that keeps their focus which is 100 percent what we see right you get find something that keeps their focus and it works wonders. And that's the problem. You start to lean on that stuff. And when that stuff is screen time, and there's a big stigma with parenting about giving your kids too much screen time and what it does, it's just a really double-edged sword because it makes them happy. It calms them down. It gives you a break. And then you're like, but am I making it worse with this screen time stuff? But the medication problem is something that I wrestled with, you know, partially because of the stigma that that kid that I grew up with had, partially because you're concerned about giving young kids medication. You do want to be able to work through it. And also because for our issue, bigger issues with Detective Munch, it wasn't so much the focus stuff, as certainly at first, as it was kind of the anxiety and stuff. And, you know, but you're not also, about to give... go ahead. No, I would just say not even necessarily the anxiety, which I know you said earlier or whatever, but um, not even just that. But we didn't realize, I think, is a lot of people who possibly are even listening to this without kids having ADHD diagnosis and wondering like we were wondering um you know we didn't know all the secondary things that happen right like the self-esteem things the emotional breakdowns like all the things we were seeing were more the symptoms than like the titled cause adhd hyperactive but you know everything else emotional regulation the you know so much of it you know it was part of it but we didn't know and we didn't really realize it all tied together well one of the things that the medication does or is supposed to do is it it calms down the focus stuff the hyperactivity stuff and then that is, is supposed to mitigate the secondary symptoms right where like if you're not having those problems some of them if you're not having those problems maybe you're not having the need for the emotional outbursts and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So it's, uh, I think it's very, very much, you know, a personal choice and what works for your family and your kids. Um, we have tried medication with Detective Munch. I remember the first one we tried, we did not like at all. Did not. Because um, we were talking outbursts about... were crazy. Yes, you're right. Like, um, someone else referenced that, like, at the end of the day, kids all, like, kind of melt down a little bit or lose their cool by the end of the day because they're tired or whatever. They're not their best selves as we like to say um and this was like it was off the charts you could tell when the meds wore off like he was just not himself he was like a different kid and that was also one of the fears like you don't want to you know we say sort of flippantly like 
you know, we call ADHD a superpower, but in reality, there are a lot of great things that come with it, like his passion and his creativity and his imagination and all that stuff are all we like you get nervous that the medication is going to kind of, you know, mute those things and yeah. stop him from being who he is, which is not the experience that we've had um, on the ones that we've tried. Um, but that first one we tried when we saw that he just kind of wasn't being himself, it is scary to kind of reckon with. Is it something that you did that caused it? But you got to work, work with your doctor um, and therapy, which we're working on acquiring for him, which got sort of derailed yeah. by the pandemic, which is kind of one of the things we've fallen down on. Damn um, COVID. Like he has a counselor. He does need somebody to talk school, to. But I think he does, even though he hates talking yeah, he much is. like his dad. Um, or, <laughs> you know, he pretty much said that to me earlier. But, you know, he's, um, you know, he's, He's currently on a low dose that has worked for us. And honestly, you know, we've even talked about if it needs something else. But there's absolutely, to me, no shame in medication. It's whatever works for your family. And um, I guess I wanted to reiterate that because we're, you know, and also not scare people because we say like that, you know, he melted down and boiled over. You know, that's not to say that if you're considering medication, that will happen for everything because that's not the case with the one that we found. Um, And we've definitely, like I said, his best friend actually has ADHD and they try different things and there are different, you know, levels of, um, you know, dosage. And I mean, they're great. And, you know, when we talk about the superpower things, um, you know, yeah, there are so many things and you always try to tell your kids, um, especially if they had ADHD or you try to, um, when you can, all those amazing things. I mean, the focus ADHD, right. Sounds like they're going to have absolutely no focus, but the focus on something they love, like him yeah, and a, or him talking about building or Legos, the shit he creates with Legos is like yeah. mind blowing. I didn't even know Legos did these things and he's not doing a kit. He's doing like on his own. And I mean, that's amazing. And think of all the fantastic fucking things these kids can do as they grow up with that kind of focus and passion and the things they really care about. Yeah, maybe they're not going to pretend to like soccer and tennis and 10 other different things, but to be that focused and passionate about what they really care about, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think the key with whatever you do with with your kid, whether he's got ADHD or ADD or anything like that, is you want to harness the positive aspects of that and try to get a handle on the stuff that takes away from it, right? Um, you know, whether it's fo- focus issues or anxiety or emotional outbursts or whatever, the stuff that's kind of holding them back, you want to try to get a handle on and give them the tools to handle. And you need to learn tools to help them do that, which is something we're still, it's very much a learning process every day for all of us. Um, and it's helpful to let him know that too, that, you know, and I say this to him, I'm like, look, we're still figuring out your ADHD the same way that you are. Right. But we want to emphasize that, you know, his good qualities, you know, they're not, you can't necessarily separate. There's not like, you can't just pull out the ADHD and have the same kid, right. It's all wrapped up in, in each other, right. It's just the brain is wired a little bit differently. It works differently. You just need to find ways to, like I said, to harness the good parts and help him um, manage the parts that kind of are a little bit detrimental. And for us, certainly lately, that's the kind of the low self-esteem and lack of confidence and a little bit of the social anxiety that comes with, you know, just just dealing with with the way that his brain works and the stuff he wants to do and having to buckle down and do other stuff, which can be a challenge, especially when you're trying to discipline a kid like that. Well, and I think, too, someone pointed out, and it's one of those things, and what's great, I think, about hearing everyone's feedback, and um, hopefully this episode for a lot of you, is getting to actually connect with another ADHD parent and being like, holy shit, you're right. Like, someone I I was interacting with the other day was like, you know, and now they don't have, you know, they're hard on themselves. They don't have that praise. They don't have those, you know, A pluses, you know. Yeah gold star that they're usually getting at school and you're like holy shit right and it's and her being like well and it's really you know i can't live up to that nonstop when i'm working and raising like three other kids and da 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 i'm like you're right you know and that might be part of the you know not newfound but increased for munch anyway 
self-esteem issues. And, you know, it, the, the great part is, is I hope us talking about this, um, is helpful. And, you know, I guess one thing I would say too, is it's so hard for even ourselves to be so hard on ourselves about all the things we do wrong because that's what parents yeah. do in general and so do ADHD kids but like it, there's probably so much more you do right than you realize I mean shout out to you MJ for instance like the person who um alpha alpha gen mama. mama yes who you know talked about like the dad bonded over like the screens and so they play video games and da 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 and of course we're always like oh screen time but you for instance you bond over like movies and stuff and that's one of the things we found to do as a family early and you guys have great conversations about pop culture and movies and yeah that's screen time I have to say because it's you know, something we love to do as a family even I even if I'm stuck watching fucking I don't even know the latest Star Wars for the 50th time. Um, I don't, Not the I, latest, that one stunk. Yeah, <laughs> even that one. Even that one. On a Friday night, like having a Friday night, like a drink, and we're all covered up, and you guys are into it together. Like, I don't even count that as screen time, honestly. Like, I'm counting the hours that he's like, I don't know, blowing up some shit on Roblox or God knows what. Um, or God knows what, good parenting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, kudos to you. you That's probably find... something you don't realize even that you're kind of async. Yeah, I am. I am. Of... I am pretty amazing. Thank you for finally recognizing <laughs> it. But I think the key takeaway there is you got to find what works for you and your kid and your family. Um, and yeah, like you said, hopefully us talking about it helps remove a little bit of the stigma, helps people out there realize that, you know, Every parent has struggles, regardless of whether their kid is ADHD or is on the spectrum or is an absolute perfect kid who doesn't exist. Stop making up, Karen. That's <laughs> a lot of bullshit. But I remember, like, when I wrote my first, the first blog post I wrote when he was diagnosed, I like put it on Facebook, and my dad was like, "How could you share that?" And I'm yeah, like, "Yeah, I know. You know what? Maybe if you and your generation had been a little bit more open and honest, you know, it would be easier for me to cry when I watch movies or get sad. But because Did he did that, and because because I'm such a John Wayne type because of the way that my dad brought yeah. me up and the stigma against emotion, you know, that's on him and that's on his generation, the so-called greatest generation or whatever. Get out of what? my face. Did what? you say, I mean, obviously the John Wayne No, I didn't Wayne say any of that. Say. Well, I mean. I said some of it. I said, the, the stigma you know, part. we're trying to, yeah. the stigma part is 100% true. Yeah, and I think that yeah. obviously, you know, with social media and the generation's even the ones that are coming up behind us are a lot more open and honest and transparent. You know, privacy is not so much a thing anymore, and I'm not going to pretend there aren't drawbacks to that. But when it comes to something like this, you, you know, if you're going through struggles, it's very easy sometimes to feel like you're failing or to feel like you're alone if you're putting your kid on medication or you're scared about his diagnosis. But when you hear somebody, hopefully like us, talking about, about it or you read something about somebody kind of being open and honest about their struggles hopefully it makes you feel a little bit better right because that's what we're all in this together a little bit of solidarity um you know Absolutely. so if you do have any comments if, if you listen to this episode and you enjoy it if you read my blog post or any of my instagram posts or any of mama buried you know let us know we're always happy to to respond unless you start talking about q and on shit because we don't have any time for that no, um no. biden harris also, 2020 yeah exactly i mean when people DM me about this or MS, for instance. Like, yeah. there's those are part of the reason why I personally want to even join the platform is to raise awareness and be honest and not like all fucking sunshine and rainbows, not just about the daily, but like about real issues that we all have. Um, and not saying we share every inch of our lives. No, you know, no, yeah, that'd be weird. No, <laughs> but no, we talk never talk about my gimp suit, we never talk about my gimp suit, but that's for yeah. another episode oh, Jesus. but thanks uh, thanks everybody done. for joining us thanks for your comments thanks for listening um again let's go subscribe listen on spotify apple anywhere you get your podcast um throw us a rating and a review on apple throw us some uh some money a couple of cents on anchor or patreon and let us I know have... what you think on our on our uh, social medias on our instagrams in particular what, what? i have a question can you share podcasts for you uh, you can share the links around, sure. I don't know how easy it is yeah. otherwise. If I did, maybe yeah. we'd have more listeners. 
I mean, obviously we'll promote it and everything, but if you think this is useful for other people personally, it helps me to see some of all these comments, right? I was looking through them like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. Like Just like our and, son, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know. I always say. Anyone I always, spread it. I always say my biggest strength as a parent is making other parents feel better about themselves. So that's what I'm here for. Lowering the bar with every post and every podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, good luck with, with back to school. We'll be back. I'm sure there'll be some complications with that. We can talk about whether it's with Mama Buried, who will be back again for sure, or my regular co-host, Pete. Um, we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.